Now, from the Mousecapade Studios, here are your hosts. Happy Friday, Mousecapades listeners. This is Vicki, and I'm here with Brad and Joey. We hope that you're all staying safe and happy and healthy. This is episode 651, and you're listening to the number one podcast that entertains that space between your ears, the Mousecapades podcast. Before we get started, we'd like to remind you that the Mousecapades podcast is part of the Your Story Travel Company. At Your Story Travel Company, we can plan a magical trip for you on just about any budget. Simply text us at 636-395-0544 to book a trip or to get a free quote. It only takes a $200 refundable deposit to hold your reservation, so contact us today. So on today's show, we're going to tackle a topic that has risen to the top of many, many Disney discussion boards and forums as a result of the recent changes Disney has announced. We feel that there's enough buzz here to talk about this, and we should probably address it on the show. Uh, A lot of you are going to find this topic pretty difficult and dare say even cringeworthy depending on your perspective and exactly how vested you are in Disney. So fasten your seatbelts, take a deep breath, say a little prayer or two, and try to remain calm as we attempt to navigate these troubled waters today of this content. So what we're talking about today has probably caused heartburn for some people who monitor and follow the actions of Disney like we do, mostly because of the show, but also because of our love at Disney. It's especially troubling for those diehard Disney fans, as well as those that have been truly loyal to this brand for so many years. Here are some of the main talking points that we're gonna talk about today. There seems to be very intentional moves on the part of Disney over the last few years, especially recently, to transform many of the Disney offerings from free to fee-based. Another topic will be what is the impact of that shift on the Disney customer life cycle? And then also, is Disney overplaying their hand or was the move to fee-based a foregone conclusion all along and was only a matter of when that they would do it? Meanwhile, Walt is rolling over in his grave. Just have to say that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, What does all of this mean? And what's really the impact of Disney's actions on their customer life cycle? What even is a customer life cycle? So let's sidebar for just a moment and talk about that before we really get into this, because this is really everything we're going to talk about is how it affects the customer life cycle. So the customer life cycle encompasses everything in a buyer's journey from the point they enter the marketing funnel through purchase and then ongoing repeat customer interactions and advocacy to your brand. And so there's five basic stages to the customer life cycle. We'll mention them real quick. The first one is discovery. That's the initial point of contact with a customer. Number two is education, where you understand the customer's pain points and provide them information about how you can help them. Number three is purchasing. That's the point when the customer decides to make a purchase from you. Number four is retention. These are basically repeat customers who come back for more. And five is advocacy, which is the strongest stronghold of the the diehards. These are your repeat customers who are true advocates. They're loyal to the brand and they're committed to sharing about it through word of mouth, much like we are on this show. I was gonna say, 
I would say that we fall under that category. Yeah. And the, the real the real kicker is in these five stages, Disney is such a entity now, a, a global entity. They really don't even have to try to get discovery or education. People already really know what they're about, what they're offer, you know, what they offer, what they bring to the table. It's just a matter of when and if you're going to purchase from them and if you will continue to do so, which is the third through fifth stages. So that's just the ground base. And uh, so now I'm going to let Joey give a quick example to just demonstrate what this customer life cycle is. This isn't Disney, but it demonstrates what the customer life cycle is and how companies use it, analyze it and all that stuff. Okay. So our example for today is going to be Costco. So every year, Costco loses about 30 to $40 million on the rotisserie chickens alone. They could easily flip that loss into a profit by raising the price of a, by a single dollar, but they choose not to do that. And they do that because they understand their customer cycle. So they keep prices low on certain items by, to bring customers into their warehouse. And then once they're in the door, they're aware that they'll spend more than enough to make up for that while they're inside. And as a result, they'll receive more than $4 billion in annual profits. In short, they understand their customers' behavior and are more than willing to take a 30 to $40 million loss on rotisserie chickens because they make up for it in the end and they can afford to take that loss. Very interesting concept. Is Disney listening? Oh, just kidding. Sorry, we're not finished yet. So now we're going to shift and apply this to Disney. Over the last 15 plus years, the business model of the Disney parks has changed. And we started going in 2009, so we've been a big part of this. There has been a decline in value. It was a little gradual at first, but then all of a sudden it has accelerated and ramped up over the last few years, most specifically this past year. Disney seems to have doubled down and they continue charging at full speed ahead. It has made some start to wonder when, not if, will customers leave the Disney business? When it comes to the parks, there's this thought to be about five to 10 year lag between actions and the resulting of consequences. Negative experiences erode both retention and advocacy over time. But if this lag ends up being much shorter than the projected five to 10 years, then Disney will be far down the wrong path and in a huge hole before they really feel it. So many have been loyal, patient, and strong advocates of the Disney parks for a long time. So we've been since 2009, which I feel like is a, a substantial amount of time. Don't you think? Yes. Yeah, I would say so. But many also no longer advocate, not even in the least, and are now actively shifting vacation patterns away from Disney. And I am hearing this. Um, some people are like, you know, for that amount of money, and um, I could go here, here, and here, or I could take two of lesser trips because obviously Disney is, you know, it does cost money depending on how you do it. You can do it for cheaper, um, but usually when people want to go into Disney, they want all the bells and whistles. They want to do the dining and everything. Uh, so I think that's part of the issue. But the last few years, and this one in particular, like I said before, have pushed people over the line. And here is a short list of some of the key factors that are at play. Some of these are personal preference, but I think that there's a lot of weight behind all of them. It's what we've seen, it's what we've talked about on the Rumors and News Show. So price increases seem far higher than inflation. Switching from free to fee, which nickel and diming, everybody. <laughs> Constant cuts of little things such as shows and entertainment. The direction of Epcot is a mess right now because the World Showcase Lagoon barges are hideous, which a lot of us have talked about on the show is that going to be cause for concern for guests that have enjoyed the view for so many years? 
Um, the huge Hollywood Studios investment yielded a smaller park with fewer rides. So during the time that they were doing um, all the construction, a lot of the park was depleted or taken away. And it used to be a park that we loved to go to two times every visit during all that construction. I mean, it was almost a half day park, especially during this pandemic when the shows and stuff were closed down. I realized a couple things have come back now. Deluxe hotel pricing is bizarre and seems to be a feeder to DVC sales, which I would agree because once they get you in and you see how great it is, they're going to want to, um, they're going to think you want automatically to be DVC. We didn't even stay at Deluxe Hotels and we were like, oh, wouldn't it be great to own DVC at Polynesian? Or Kaylee would like to do DVC at Grand Floridian or even DVC at Animal Kingdom. So yes, I would agree. You see those hotels and they make them bright and shiny for you. Everything looks fantastic. And it is, I'm not saying it's not, but then it makes you want to do DVC and you might, you know, take out a big loan so you could do that. Absolutely. So given all of what you just said, Vic, here's the million dollar questions. When will customers revolt? What's the time span for that positive negative feedback loop? And when will repeat customers get fed up enough to call it quits and the pill is just going to be too much to swallow for the longtime Disney loyalists and the Disney advocates. So for the remainder of the show, we're going to talk through our own opinions on this topic, as well as maybe along the way, pull from some of the top comments and some of the blogs that are out there that I happen to see this week. There is not a shortage of comments about this topic. Let me just tell you, people are not happy. Let's just put it that way. All right, so Vic, I'll let you go. What What do you want to talk about? What's your main, what's your most burning opinion on this topic? Well, my most, um, and, and we talk about it a lot on the rumors and news is it's hard, especially as a travel agent. For years, we've promoted it because we found out that sometimes during the year there was free dining and sometimes there were sales on resorts or there was sales on dining or you stayed at a certain resort and you got this or you got, um, well, the latest one when Kaylee and I went in February was buy three park ticket days, get two park ticket days for free. Well, that, that's gone away. And I'm trying to start, you know, being in the travel agent business, that is a goal for me at the end of retirement. But at the same time, I'm an honest person and I don't want to take advantage of people. And so I just feel like we need to be truthful with them, letting them know. And they may have heard me say this in the past and they may have went on another trip in the past, what they're not getting now. That is very hard for me. We were there when the magic band started and those were free and now they have to be paid for. We were there for the free dining several times. We got to partake in that. We were there for some of the discounts. Uh, we were there for Magical Express. I mean, we, we still have, or Kaylee and I still have one more trip with the Magical Express before it becomes a fee. I'm trying to think of all the different things. I will, you know, the one thing that they, they have done, I mean, I hope we're going back and forth here. They took away the extra magic hours. They've just renamed them. So if you're at any resort, the first 30 minutes of every park, not just one, it used to be extra magic hours. They'd pick one park a day, blah, blah, blah. Now it's a half hour early. Now that's not a ton, but if there's one key ride at a park, like Flight of Passage or Slinky Dog, Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, if those big ones are important to you, you could definitely get in the park and get through that ride that you want in the 30 minutes. And more than likely they're gonna let you in 15 minutes before that 
So I just feel like we're getting less and less and the prices to the resorts are not going down. I feel like Disney's just taken this approach and as long as they're seeing more and more money, they don't care what they have to do to get it. So if they're just gonna cut one thing and keep the price the same, they don't mind it as long as there's enough people to pay for it. And I guess since the capacity's lower, it's easier to get a bunch of high paying customers in to fill their capacity because it's lower, it's, it's a lower capacity than they had before. So their thought process is, well, if we can only have this many people in, we want the same amount of people that we're paying a lot of money before. We don't want a percentage, like let's say just 10% of their old customers were high spenders. They don't want 10% of the amount of customers now to be high spenders. They want the same number of spenders to be the same because they're gonna, that's what's gonna get them the money. So if they can operate with less staff and have a lower capacity and get more money, then there's no reason for them not to do it. And they don't care about the feedback they're gonna get on that. So basically, I will confirm what you're saying through some of the comments in the blogs in that it's pretty obvious. Disney has made a decision that they're now going to target more affluent guests. Basically, the, the lower to middle class people, they don't really, they're not really catering to you anymore in that class of, you know, income. That was very evident when they just didn't open up the lower end resorts when they first started. It Correct. Was, they didn't open up the cheap resorts because they didn't care about, they didn't need those customers. And they're still not completely open yet. And, and the blogs are saying that, well, typically in a typical business, you're really worried about those people, those customers walking away. Like, cause that's very detrimental to your business. For example, the car industry, like high-end cars, they don't make much money. They're more of a marketing scheme. Whereas the economy cars are where they make money. Yeah. But in Disney's case, they don't, they've reached a point where they don't care. They can afford not to care because for every five people who are stepping away in the lower income brackets, there's five more people in the upper income brackets who are w more willing, more than willing to take their place. And guess what? Those people in the upper income brackets, they're going to spend more money without batting an eye and without complaining. And Disney's going to make more money because of it. Whether you like, I know that's harsh, but Dis Disney is looking at it strictly from a business side. That's what they see. They've got accountants, mathematicians, marketing geniuses in rooms crunching the numbers every day and they already know they've already they've already hedged their bet they've made the decision we're going to target the higher end people and we're going to make more money and they are they really are um i just don't know at what point it becomes so great because there will come a, a day of reckoning probably when there's so many people on the lower end that step away that they're going to have to do something but the blogs are like oh yeah but if it gets to that point, you know how Disney is. They'll throw in a free pat, a free lightning lane here and there. They'll throw in a free this or that. And then those people who left, they'll just come back in droves because they think they're getting something for free. Or they think that they've changed Disney's mind when Disney really calculated and banked on that all along. And they knew if the day came, they could pivot and just bring them back into the fold with just very small concessions without having to really change a lot of stuff and still keeping the high, high end affluent people spending more money in the parks. The one thing that I think could make a turn and, and this is speculation on my part, this is not anything that I read is affluent people aren't necessarily, I'm not saying they're not completely, 
but they're not necessarily wanting to go to a Disney trip all the time. I don't find people that are more wealthy. I think they want to try different places. So they might do Disney one year, but that doesn't mean they're going to start doing it every year where some of us that are the upper lower, you know, like the lower to middle class, I guess, we enjoy it. It's, it's definitely something more extravagant than what we live on a daily basis. So I feel like some of those affluent people are going to be going to other vacations. Disney's going to have to do something to make a special deal for them. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, I think you're right. They will, they will mix it up more than the regular person and go to different places. But the times that they do choose to come to Disney, they're not going to, they're not going to mind laying down a couple thousand more for the, for the sake of less people in the park, which is Disney has already stated. That is one of their goals. They're trying to get less people in the park because one of their big complaints in their surveys in the early 20, 2010s, 20-teens, was the parks are too crowded. So they made a conscious decision from that point forward, how can we make moves to get less people in the park? Well, one of those moves is raise prices that'll weed out some people and make things fee-based. Well, they never really had the opportunity until COVID. COVID provided them the golden opportunity to really pull the trigger on a lot of this stuff. So now here we are, they pulled the trigger and now people are really, it's causing heartburn for people. But again, these more affluent guests, they're not gonna think twice about laying down an extra $5,000 if they know that, oh, well, there's gonna be less people in the park. So I don't mind paying that. They don't mind paying it to start with, but they sure don't mind paying it knowing there's going to be less people in the park because of it, because they can afford they can afford to be that way. I'm just sad because obviously, like I said, and I've said for weeks, this is not at all what Walt intended. He wanted an affordable place for families to hang out. So obviously we're way past that. Now, I will say, yes, Walt did say that he but Walt was a businessman. Now, the, the difference is he knew when he said that that he still had to make money but i believe there's a night and day difference between that style of leadership and where we were then and this style of leadership where we are now where everything is about the money i don't think it was all about the money for for walt i think he truly had you know some altruistic goals and intrinsic he wanted people to really enjoy the park for what it could be because we've been past we've been past walt's goal for a while and we and people have said that before but it wasn't until very recently that it's because before it was like yeah that was walt's goal that's not really our goal anymore but now it's like i don't care what his goal was that is not the goal the goal is to get money now it is only money that is the sole purpose of this of this park right i think that's what makes people really sad because they know that now it's anything for the money it makes me sad, and I'm sure his family's sad too because they know that was not the intent. No, you're right, Brad, he was a businessman, but I think that he would have leveled it out and made it possible because now you have people whose kids are seeing these commercials and wanting to go to the park. And I mean, let's face it, if our family was trying to live off my salary, as much as I love my job and I know I was called to do it, we couldn't probably go to Disney. Or if we did, it might be once in 10 years. We are only blessed because you have a better job. I don't know. I just, it just makes me very, very frustrated to see where it's gone from just from 2009 when we went as a family till now. 
And so just imagine people that have gone longer than us or people that have been going there since 1971, because there's several people that have been going there since 1971. And there are just so many things. Like I know that we had clients saying, when do the fall sales come out? And I said, I actually don't think we're going to have any fall sales. I think they're counting on everybody wanting to come to the 50th. So why should they have to give a sale? Correct. Exactly. I think they had this calculated all along. They knew the 50th was coming and they announced Genie, Genie Plus, Lightning Lane, individual attraction selection. They announced all of that coming fall because they knew, oh, we're going to have a huge influx of people into the parks for the 50th. Oh, we can cash in on this right away, right when the system opens. And I think that's what they're going to do. Along the same lines of, you know, other comments in the blogs are saying what this means is that probably what's going to happen is that people in the lower to middle class are probably going to end up going to the parks instead of every one to two years. They're going to probably end up going every four to seven years because they'll need that time to, to build up enough money to make it worth their while to go. Whereas more affluent people, they'll be able to go every one or two years because they can just keep going and going going no matter what the price is so that's probably going to be a shift you see is that the frequency of the trips for lower to middle class is going to reduce because they have to save up money it takes more time to save up this more money now that the parks require the other thing is whether they are intentionally doing this or not i feel like they're trying to make us the consumer pay for the loss that they had during a pandemic that we had no control over by doing it this way. I mean, that's just my opinion. I think that's part of it, but I think all along, they were looking to go fee-based all along, but they didn't have the opportunity until COVID hit. And then they're like, ah, here's our chance. We need to strike while the iron's hot and leverage it. And they certainly did because here we are with uh, Genie and Genie Plus and Lightning Lane coming out in the fall. And um, I, I like one of these other blog comments this guy says disney is boiling the frog the frog is still smiling and wearing the mickey ears but it's starting to suspect that something is amiss so i think people are still on board tentatively i think they're waiting to see how this whole new system plays out and like the surge pricing that they've announced for the most popular rides there there has been no cap announced for how much a ride can go right it's all based on demand and the, and the surge on that kind of that, that one kind of made sense to me because the whole point is to keep it so that there's only so many of those sold so that the line is still quick so if a bunch of people because like it, on an off day like if you were to go in the middle of an off season the people that live right near disney world aren't going to pay as much to go on the ride because they'll just they'd just rather come back another day and ride it whereas someone who's taking a trip from like california it's like, oh, I guess if this ride that, got that long a line and I really want to ride it, $60 isn't that much more on the total cost of this trip. But per person? Yeah, I know. It's, there's, there's still people that are going to pay for it. I don't really, as much as I love Flight of Passage, and I like Slinky Dog, but not like everybody else does. Um, but like Flight of Passage, Seven Doors Mine Train, I don't know that I would pay that much money. Yeah, I think it's going to be too much for some people once they see the actual sticker price. Especially if I've been there before and rode that ride, and I know there's a possibility I'm going to come back on a downtime, I don't think I'm going to do it. I I definitely think that it's not right 
I know what you're saying, Joey, but I don't think it's right yeah. that they didn't give some kind of cap. Yeah, I wish they would have capped it. And that's and that's the issue is that that's supply and demand. Their goal is not to sell as to make as with Lightning Lane. The goal is to limit the amount of people buying Lightning Lane. So they're going to sell it at whatever price that they can get away with selling the amount that they want to sell. So if they can sell X amount at $500 a pass, why would they not if their goal is just money? Right, because Disney doesn't care. They're still going to get the money. They don't care if five people are riding the ride. They're still going to get the money. So, yeah, it's really, it really does feel like it's become all about the money. Yeah. I wish they would have just got rid of the lightning lane and the fast pass. It would have, lines have been so much shorter. All right, here's another one I wanted to touch on from the blogs. This is from a local down there who has an annual pass. And um, he said, I let my annual pass lapse due to COVID, but I've decided not to get a new one, primarily due to the changes they made this last year, in that they require you to reserve a slot for going to the parks and attractions. Basically, these are the park reservations. You have to make park reservations. You can't just show up one day as a local. You still have to make park reservations. So this guy says, as a local, I like the idea of just deciding to go to the park on a whim for a few hours. And most of the time, I don't even decide I'm going until an hour before I go. And even more so, I don't even know which park I'm going to until I get off I-4 onto onto Walt Disney property. So he's just very spur of the moment, you know, and that's appealing to locals, but none of that's possible now due to all this park reservations that you have to have. It requires that you plan it ahead, which negates that spur of the moment kind of going to the park. So. This guy says he's never experienced an attraction that's a reservation only attraction because those are all dispersed well before 3 p.m., which is typically before he'd ever get there. And so being forced to pre-plan is his real beef. And he's like, people spend months pre-planning their visit so much so that they get stressed out over trying to just keep their schedule. And that pre-planning just negates and limits some of the fun and magic that Disney can be. And for him, it's just not worth investing in that anymore. Now that's from a local, that's a local perspective. And I wonder how many local people are feeling that way because I do know uh, even the vloggers had a hard time sometimes trying to get park reservations because they were so limited, especially in the very beginning with 35%. But here's the thing that I find interesting about this. They keep saying that people don't, the reason that they are doing this genie plus or one of the reasons is then people don't have to plan they have this flexibility it can lead them in the way that they want to but having a park reservation doesn't allow for that so if you get up that morning like what this guy's saying and you decide that you would rather go to animal kingdom than magic kingdom because the weather turned out nicer than you thought and that park is typically pretty hot just because now we know it was built like a fishbowl because of uh trying to accommodate all those animals and the temperatures that they're used to and you can't do that so that is pre-planned so i feel like they're talking out both sides of their mouth or maybe it's two different people talking i'm not sure what but that of course gives people bad taste in their mouth as as well because it's like the arm doesn't know what the foot's doing and vice you know the whole body's not working together it's almost like they're working against each other sometimes yeah here's another here's another blog 
thing from the blogs. Disney knows they can push this limit until the doors fall off the hinges. The mindset is simple, really. It's the charge more, give less strategy and go as far as you can. And if they ever do hit that day of reckoning where people just completely revolt and step away and droves, they know that there's enough fan nostalgia. They can back off a bit, throw in a cupcake and one lightning lane and bam, people are running back for the doors. And so no matter what, it's a win-win for Disney. They, they really have crunched the numbers and calculated it out. It really feels that way. Since uh, we were talking about the lightning lane and there was a blogger on here saying that most families visiting Disney's American parks from 500 miles plus away, they're probably going to be willing to splurge the $15, $20 a day for lightning lane. But some people that live closer or come more frequently may not want to do that because the whole reason of them coming more frequently is they can do the things like they can say, well, I didn't do that this trip. I'll do it next trip. Do you know what I'm saying? And and they can always wait till a more off season time as well. As long as they can get a reservation into the park. If they can get a reservation. Yeah. It just, I don't know. And and the blogs go on to say like these, these park reservations that people are talking about and that Disney instituted, the high level executives, they are loving that because now they know exactly how many people are going to be in a given park on any given day because you have to have a park reservation to get into it. And so they can crunch all the numbers they want because they know down to the day how many people are going to be in that park. So it allows them to do much better planning, much better staffing. They don't have to have waste of, you know, they don't have to be overstaffed for trying to anticipate X amount of people because they know exactly how many people are coming. And so they can plan down to the person how many people they're going to need in a park on a given day. Again, that helps their labor, their labor cost because they can plan better for that. Um, so I don't think the park reservations are going away anytime soon because I think Disney loves that, being able to know exactly what, who's going to be in a park. Right. But again, they're claiming the Genie Plus is because people have asked for more freedoms when they get there. So it feels like more vacation. That's just something they've slapped on there. I think right. it's smoke. I think it's smoke and mirrors to make people feel good. And Disney knows what the real deal is. So saddening. And yeah, of course, the other hike that we've seen is the reduced hours in the what used to be Mickey's Not So Scary, which is now Boo Bash, and then what was Very Merry Christmas, which is now, I don't know, something Christmas after hours party, have been cut just, you know, a lot. I mean, I know you can still come in like two hours before the time, the starting time or whatever, but is that truly worth that extra money? Uh, of course, we've seen yes and no from different people, different perspectives. Again, I think if you have some kind of game plan, then maybe you might think it's okay. But then, you know, they jacked up those prices for Boobash and we were all appalled, uh, like, cause I had that family of five going or I have the family of five going and they wanted to go, but it would have been a thousand dollars plus tax for them to go. So this is where there is some pushback, Brad, to my knowledge, when I was looking yesterday, they have still not sold out of any day of the Christmas party. And the boobash was sold out within the first week and they had to add more days. It doesn't appear that that's happening. Now I realize we're a little bit farther away, but- They will, they will. You really think they'll sell out? Yes. I just, there was so much negativity on social media when that came out. 
which I think there was with Boobash too, but I think then when they saw the people paid the prices at Boobash, then they increased the prices for the Christmas party even more. Trying to say that the fireworks and the parade that's been going on since at least 2013 that we know, it, it has not changed. Those are the draws to coming to this party. Well, if you're a person that goes there every Christmas, I'm not gonna pay that money because I've seen that parade multiple times. I didn't realize that until we went to the Merry Christmas party and I saw the parade and I'm like, what? This is the parade we see in the daytime. <laughs> and so it's just the trickery that I think that they need to watch. Yeah, for me, for me, it's, I guess I don't even mind if they want to go fee-based or do this Genie Plus for most of the rides and do the individual attraction surge pricing for the more popular rides for people to pay more. I guess I can see that to an extent, but what I don't like is that at the same time, they've all they've also taken away the free Magical Express and X and Y and Z. So it, it's not that they just focused on the things that would allow the more affluent guests to still enjoy things, but they also took away the middle to upper class things where I think they didn't have to do that. I, I really think that's what has left a bad taste in people's mouth. If you would have kept the Magical Express, if you would have kept some of the other smaller things as concessions, I think it would have made a difference. But it's like they just chose to go full bore on everything and go for the money grab on everything. The Magic Band is a good example because Joey looked up how much it would make to or cost to make one of those, why they felt the need to get rid of those, yeah, the RFID chips in those cost, I think it was 60 cents or less for the or for the uh, for the part that you use to like get into the park and pay for things. But then like or maybe uh, no, that that part of it costs like 25 cents. And then the part that like lets your name show up on rides and stuff, the long distance mm -hmm. one that works only through like watch batteries that you can't replace. And that costs I think that cost them like 70 cents or something like that. And then like so what is that like a dollar 25 plus the however much the plastic that it's in costs so right so that's a minimal cost that like you said throw them a bone basically to get them to come back when if when and if there becomes a surge or there becomes a thing when people are like enough is enough but that's not that is something little i think that they could have kept and that's and those are the price that's the price for one of those rfid things so when you buy them in bulk which i'm sure obviously right. they do you could get crazy discounts on it. So there's no reason that they took away those free things for because the basic ones are not costing them money. I just wish Disney would have left me in ignorant oblivion that they were going for the money grab. Like, you kind of felt it all along. Yeah, this is a money grab. Now they don't even care. They're so transparent. It is so obvious that it's a money grab. They don't even try to hide it anymore. They know it is. And they don't care if people know it is. Whereas before I felt like they tried to at least spin it to where at least make it appear, oh, you're still getting this and this and this. And yeah, we increased the price a little bit, but you're still getting a good experience and you're getting a good value. I don't even think they care to that extent anymore. They're so transparent now, it's to a flaw. It's to their detriment how transparent they're being about the money grab. I mean, that's why people are so angry. Yeah. I mean, it's really not good. I just hope in the long run, it doesn't come back and bite them because 
you got to think we are in a very narrative driven society now like cancel culture is real and they just better hope that the cancel culture doesn't come for them because people will be out for blood and they won't stop until they're until they get what they want cuz just like social media gets involved in everything else in our world right it would only take a couple people with any kind of influence and that would be the end of them like just a movie star or something saying something well that's a whole other show about this scarlet johansson deal oh yeah it's already causing directors to question whether they're even going to work with disney in the future like that i mean that's what i'm talking about and people were saying that she was getting money hungry for that but her people that she was given an estimate on how much money she would make at box office and that estimate was wrong because disney decided no we're going to release also on disney plus and she was not told that at the time of making the movie and she's over here like well yeah i signed the thing saying that i'd only get portions of the box office but you you've just influ you've directly influenced in a negative way the box office sales right like i said that could be a whole show in and of itself that and others who are now following in her footsteps about that whole deal about you know disney plus and streaming and all that it's just it, it, i mean that's just that's just another it's just all put together it just looks very bad to me everything is a money grab now again disney streaming oh well for movies still got a premium price for some of those coming out even though you're still paying the x amount of money per month for the service i get it you would pay that at a movie theater but again you take that in and of itself may not be bad but then you put it together with all this other stuff that's now happening and it's just one more reach of the arm for the money i don't know that's just me that's my two cents. Well, how's that for how's that for a positive show today, Vic? <laughs> well, Brad and Joey, thank you I think for joining me today so that we could talk <laughs> about this not so pleasant amount of things that are happening at Disney right now. Disney Genie, Disney Plus, the Lightning Lane, the individual attraction options, all of that as well as feedback that we've got from blogs and from guests. Uh, we will continue to follow this as we do because it is the news and it is what you deserve and need to hear. Um, we will try not to sugarcoat it as much as we can because obviously we love Disney too, but this hurts us as well. I wish that some of the higher ups had the heart that some of us have because it wouldn't be this way if it was up to us. I think you can run a business and still have a heart. A few final reminders before we signed off. You can text us at 636-395-0544 to book a trip and get a free quote, ask questions, leave a comment, or even if you're interested in being a guest on the show. Again, that number is 636-395-0544. Just a reminder that it only takes a $200 refundable deposit to hold your reservation, so don't delay. Contact us today. You can check us out on our Facebook page, The Mousecapades Podcast, or our Your Story Travel TikTok account, at Your Story Travel. Be sure to listen to Wednesday's show as we dish the latest rumors and news and chat with the gang. As always, thanks for listening to the number one podcast that entertains that space between your ears, the Mousecapades podcast. Well, Joey, Brad, I think it's about that time. Disney love. Just keep swimming. No cape. Have a magical day, my friends. <laughs>